0: Welcome to the Audible Insights Podcast, brought to you by the Insights Association, the leading voice of market research, and hosted by David Paul, CEO of Engages and an expert in research driven messaging, content, and stories.
1: Hey everyone, this is David Paul, CEO of Engages, and welcome to this episode of the Audible Insights Podcast. We're coming to you live from the Insights Association's Corporate Researchers Conference in Orlando. And my guest for this episode is Susan Fader of Fader & Associates. Susan, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks. I'm happy to be here.
1: So Susan, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about Fader & Associates and your work.
0: Okay. So basically what I do is I help companies reframe. opportunities, business opportunities. And one of the tools I use is qualitative research. So I am a qualitative researcher, moderator, and strategist. I've done research across demographics and categories in over 20 countries and five continents.
1: So you gave a presentation here at CRC. Can you tell us what that was about?
0: It was on counterintuitive thinking. Uh, of way to reframe how we approach research. Uh, A lot of the emphasis right now is on technological innovation which is very very important uh, and something that we do need to integrate but a lot of times we're just migrating methodologies that have existed completely onto a technological platform and counterintuitive thinking is about thinking differently about how we approach, question, design think about uh, research, of who we talk to and who we're going to choose to lead that discussion.
1: Well, you gave us some really interesting examples in the presentation. Can you give us one or two now that exemplify counterintuitive thinking?
0: OK, so one of the things in research is we tend to look for people who have an expertise or experience in the category that we want to explore. and. Uh, One of the things about uh, counterintuitive is using an outsider. So there are three different types of outsider and the one I started out with was a complete outsider. So if you were doing a study on pork, a complete outsider would be a vegan someone who has not had pork and one of the reasons to and this is counterintuitive thinking let me step back is good to use when you're stuck where you have some business issues and you can't get an answer or you're doing research and just keep getting the same old same old so this would be a case if you use a vegan to design it someone who has never who has never had pork uh, they might structure it a little differently because they don't assume and then if they're leading the discussion and have identified themselves as a vegan you <laughs> People in talking to them will not imply a lot of conversation. You imply the listener fills in. This is they start really explaining in detail and emotion, and you get uh, a much richer uh, view. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's so that's a complete outsider. What are the other two? A
0: complete outsider. So the second one I, I gave is uh, someone who is kind of an outsider. They have they have knowledge, but they're not part of the tribe. So it's I did a study with evangelical Christians. I'm not an evangelical Christian but I really know my Bible so and I am uh, religiously observant so uh, there's an affinity there but at the same time I know enough to to challenge and um, have a a detailed discussion uh, there. Mm Then there's the obvious outsider, thats someone who just, they know from the start that you're an outsider. I did an example of that is a study I did on African-American hair care. I am not African-American, and I had the women bring in all their hair care products, and they had explained in detail how they used it, why they used it, what the problems were, and that was just the beginning of our discussion, but this was a case where the client had been unable to come up with new product ideas because they thought they knew how people used it because they had done tracking studies and all that, and this exercise identified to them where there were areas of opportunity and they were able to come out with uh, new, successful new products.
1: Okay, and um, you mentioned tribe a little bit earlier in your answer, and one of the another thing you talked about in your presentation is the importance of you referred to tribal analytics versus using demographics when choosing research participants. So explain that to us a little bit.
0: Okay, so segmentation demographics is really the way a company silos or groups people so that they can understand patterns and. However, sometimes uh, people who look on paper to be the same are actually very different, and you have to see how they self define. So, if you were doing um, mothers of of kids uh, five to ten, and same economics, uh, same household income, they both worked outside the home, you know, Mm -hmm. but. So on paper, they might look the same, but if you ask them what their mom motto was, and one mom said, I I go with the flow, and the other says, I'll do whatever it takes to get my my kids ahead, those are two very, they see life totally different, they're making decisions totally different, and that's an example of how tribal analytics and self-defining.
1: You gave another example that's a little funny about two British gentlemen.
0: Okay, so that one is, I got to give credit to a BBC presentation that I saw, and this was, if you think about Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne actually have the same demographics in terms of, of age, in terms of income, and number of houses, and I mean, he had a whole long list of 10 things where they were exactly the same, but no one would ever think that they're the same, but that's an example of how when we just go on pure demographics, or even added which is generally just, hey, do you consider yourself someone who's outgoing? It's never capturing how they self-define.
1: Another thing that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was your comparison and contrast of narrative economics versus behavioral economics and how you view the two differently and your opinion on how they need to be regarded in, um, in research. So tell us a bit about that
0: so basically uh behavioral economics behavioral science uh, plays a key role in research and i think we have to reframe how we use it if you think about economics uh, traditional classical economics uh, was built on the assumption that people make rational decisions behavioral economics said people don't make um rational and it really used the term that people are irrational but that in a way is a judgment call where it's an external making the judgment. Mm -hmm. Narrative economics basically says uh, it might not be rational to you as an outsider but to that particular person it might be rational so I really think we have to reframe how we talk about uh, behavioral economics and understand it's an external uh, evaluation of someone's behavior and we have to integrate narrative economics and understand better how uh, how people are making decisions what the information and so, and narrative economics was dubbed by uh, Richard Schiller, uh, Nobel Prize winner and uh, in economics. Yeah,
1: it is it is a very interesting distinction because the whole notion of rational and irrational in behavioral economics is a judgment point, uh, a judgment call. Who's to say what is rational and what's not rational even by the definitions that those like, you know, Kahneman and Ariely and others have come up with.
0: So, it's it you can still believe there exhibiting irrational behavior, but uh, you have to have the context of understanding how they came to that decision. Mm-hmm. So it could, it could be both. You can still believe they're, they're making it irrational, right. but you need to understand why they have made that decision and what brought them there. And many times it's rational from their perspective.
1: Before we wrap up on, on the greater topic of counterintuitive thinking, what kinds of tips, tricks, advice would you like to leave people with for them to try to deploy in the next study that they're designing to take advantage of some of these principles?
0: Okay. So, counterintuitive thinking is not for every study you do it's it's I'm not saying integrate into everything you do what I'm saying is when you feel like you're stuck or that you're or you have a big challenge ahead of you and you need to just think differently, that's when you should start integrating counterintuitive. And again, maybe use the outsider approach to who designs, who who leads the discussion. Uh, integrate more of tribal analytics into who you're, you're talking to. And I did talk about uh, in terms of all the different profiles of people you might want to talk to. And I gave the example of, of Tiffany engagement rings that maybe you talk to people who uh, broke an engagement. You're going to have a very different discussion about the purchasing of engagement rings from people who freshly broke an engagement than people who are looking forward to getting married yeah,
1: yeah, that's an excellent point well Susan thanks so much for sharing this with us I feel like we have a lot more to talk about and we should probably sit down and and do a much longer episode I think people will get a lot of benefit out of that but I really enjoyed your talk and appreciate you sharing these insights with everyone so thanks for joining us
0: thanks so much thanks so much for listening you can find all our episodes by searching audible insights on iTunes Stitcher or Google Play and by visiting insightsassociation.org slash audible. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.